0: guys, welcome back to Recreated where we tell stories and we have our friends tell theirs and we get to chime in and ask the questions that we think you would want answers to. So today we have our friend Hayden and you guys I'm so excited. Honestly, I feel like we could be here all day, and um, it's just going to just be so good. So uh, first, we're going to talk about what we're thinking about, and then we're going to jump into his story. So join us. So Jamie, what are we talking about today?
1: So I I thought we should focus on something that's not controversial at all. Um,
0: I'm scared.
1: um, I don't know about you guys, but I spent some of my time on Facebook and I've seen a lot of opinions um, and uh, videos going around about so-called conspiracy theories. Do you guys spend any time on social? Yeah. I'm all into that. I'm trying to get away <laughs> Are you from into it? the
2: conspiracies? I, yeah, I'm I, I watched that pandemic video. Before. Plandemic. Plandemic, Yeah. So is that that's a conspiracy theory video?
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah, so I
2: yeah. I, I think some of it is yeah, it it is. There were yeah. So I actually wa- <laughs> Okay, so this is great and because I that actually is- believe it just on a side. <laughs>
0: i not controversial really? at all.
2: I, I don't believe all of it, but I think the thing that there's one thing that. This is they great. This is great. I knew we'd all have different, <laughs> yeah. maybe there's, different. Well, maybe we all agree. <laughs> the, the only thing I thought was most disturbing was not all of the stuff that, you know, they had a cure for AIDS before, a year before it came out and all of those things. The thing that I, was most disturbing to me was if you invent or come up with a vaccine, there used to be a law where you couldn't profit from that, and now you can. And right, so I thought, right. anytime there's money involved, there's are you going to cut corners and do things because you know there's a pay date coming compared to, and that to me that was the most disturbing. But I I, I don't say that in terms of saying that Dr. Fauci or Bill Gates are, you know, the Antichrist. Right. I don't. You, know. you don't well, take it that far. No. But you there is a
3: kind of concerted effort on the part of companies to engineer things. Right
2: the vac, vac, my wife's in healthcare vaccinations a billion dollar industry. Yeah. Dude,
1: money is the most powerful motivator absolutely. on the planet. The love
2: of money. The it's love
1: the of most money. Powerful,
2: <laughs> right? Yeah. And it's funny cuz it has no value. Right. It doesn't. It's like our money is like monopoly money. It has right. no value but it is the most powerful. Right. Yeah.
1: You you have a a blink of time <laughs> to spend it. Yep. <laughs> like, right? Yep.
2: Yeah, and, and it brings absolutely no joy. Like so happiness there's and joy are so different and it's there's it another video
1: pain. that came out um, debunked. Well, not debunking pandemic, but it's this guy. I sent you guys a video. Yep. And I saw it.
2: Yeah, and I was mad at that guy because he debunked what I thought was like, <laughs> what I was going to hold on to for a week.
1: <laughs> well, see, but you know what was great, though? What he, what I thought was good about him was kind of what you're saying. He didn't shoot down everything that he didn't shoot down that it was all possibility. Look, the way I look at it is. And I've said it on on Facebook, the revelations is going to happen. Yep. Everything in the Bible will come true. Mm-hmm. And why can't we at least be cautious about the fact that these things could be happening? Right. Sober-minded, right? the Bible Sober-minded, says. right? Mm-hmm. Like, now, I, I did get called out because I shared a video a few weeks ago, or I posted something, and I got called out for sharing fake media, which I should not have done. Um, but... Um, it's happening all the time yeah. by by Christian. I see people fighting. I uh, see almost fist fights on Facebook. Yes, you know? and and these are also other believers, you know, that are. It's it's <laughs> that's really, what makes me hard cringe. to watch. I
0: it, mean, I have friends like I don't. Want, I know people. Oh, I'm gonna get in trouble. Oh, okay,
1: so don't worry. We'll bleep uh,
0: that out. Well, no, it's not even just people I know that are Christians. That it seems like. I get, you know, wanting to um, the whole, you know, justice and some people just really have that's their mindset and they want people to know the truth. But it seems almost like they're just so combative. And so like, we're supposed to be known for our love is what I keep going back to and like, when this pandemic is over Christian, dear Christian, What were you known for during this pandemic is what I keep going
2: back to. I think there's going to be a lot of forgiveness happening after (laughs) once we get back in. I think it goes back to either it's either the money of the guy who wants to make the next billion or it's the money of the guy who's losing his job and not getting the money he needs to support his family. But at the end of the day, that fear is caused, even in me, who's still employed, you know, and I will say. The other fear I have, which is, you know, this is a big struggle that I have uh, on a day to day basis, is um, our family, you know, we're very into sports. So I have kids that are really good at athletics. You're obviously in the baseball, right? I'm not actually. My, oh, so, so my.
1: You so, look like a baseball I, player. Yeah, it's, right from now. The,
2: it's from the hat, but no, actually, <laughs> um, football. So I, I, I coach football, I coach my kids. And then um, my daughter is really good at basketball. Like, He has a chance to play in college, so I have to balance that, you know, because I don't care what any parent says when your kid and and you can, you know this from your brother, Mm -hmm. when your kid excels on the athletic field, there's this feeling you get as a parent where it's like this pride and ego that Mm -hmm. you get, you know, and it becomes about you. It just does. Yeah. No one wants, you know, because, you know, I, I joke all the time. If my kid like doesn't do well in a sport, I want to stop everyone and go, listen, I'm athletic he's that he got that from my uncle or his, you know, and my wife's super athletic too, but yeah. you know, it's, it, and that's so unfair. But so there's this thing of like, are we going to start school? Are we going to have sports? Are we going to do this? So there's all these other things that are just taking away my focus on what does God want me to really be doing during this time. And, mm-hmm. and, and I usually get that focus at night when I pray, but then in the morning I'll see something and I'm back to that struggle. So I think there's, I think, you know, the fear is real, but yeah. it's you know, there's a fear of, the virus the fear of money or you know look i don't want to be joe i'm not gonna lie i don't i don't want to be that same, guy. same I, yeah, I don't yeah, either yeah, you know yeah like
3: and yet there's a real possibility that we as the american church could be joe absolutely yeah and are we prepared <laughs> honestly yeah can we handle you guys
0: the... i'm gonna have to watch so many disney movies after this to your
3: <laughs> no you could watch a full
1: season of um <laughs> Gilmore Girls. Season of uh, uh, My Little Pony. Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
2: Well, if you believe the conspiracy theories, you won't watch Disney
0: anymore. Is I know, right I know, <laughs> I'm
1: I know. That's
2: part of it. <laughs> they got a whole series yeah. on them, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. They're, that Nobody wants to be that, you know. Yeah. 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 Or Sufferings. yeah.
3: But that's something that you were saying before that I really agree with. I think, you know, we don't often as Christians acknowledge that Jesus taught in Matthew 5 that he dwells with the lowly and the contrite heart, the humbled. And I, I, I use humbled on purpose, that's my interpretation in this moment, but I he said humble. But I think you gotta get humbled sometimes. And I think we've been walking around in Christianity as Americans with this idea that, hey, we're we're up above the rest of the world. No suffering happens over here and over here. And we're trying to go there to ease their suffering. And And, I think that's not Jesus. Right. Right. It's, it's a fortunate blessing that we get to experience now because that's what God has allowed in this country, but it doesn't guarantee safety from any kind of persecution to the Christian, just because we live in a country like that. Right. And I think this just kind of slowly is touching on that for people. And it's kind of, you're seeing the fears.
4: Right. Mm-hmm.
3: I think it's good in one sense because you can't, that's another thing you said earlier, you can't really deal with fear until you see that you have it.
2: Mm-hmm. Right.
3: And if there's an addiction to fear, I think that's one of the big ones that we sure. have.
2: Fear is, yeah, fear is a... It's a brutal enemy. Mm-hmm. Super, yeah. I mean, honestly, I've never... I've thought about it, but I've never gotten on my knees and said, you know, Lord, humble me because I'm really scared that he will, mm-hmm. you know, I,
3: I, I was, that was that foolish. And he did,
2: <laughs> <laughs> I actually
0: do it all the he, time. He did humble so me. That I prefer to do it all the time, honestly, right. because it yeah. just, it's my way of saying, I trust you.
2: Right. But, yeah. but you've, but you've hit rock bottom. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 Well, I've done that in areas where, you know, I like, you know, when you're sick and tired of being sick and tired you know Mm -hmm.
3: i mean oh things change
2: when nobody else wants you you know and you realize that you you know you're you are you know for me you know being an alcoholic when you there's a point you get to where the the you know i think our will and god's will collide and for so long it was my will Mm -hmm. and it got harder and harder to surrender but at the end when i just couldn't do anything else you know yeah i had you know i was humbled but there were still my surrender there were steps of A little surrender here until Mm -hmm. I really made a a decision to really surrender and you know we can go through that but yeah so there's been time you know that's been humbling but you know through being sober for a while I've gotten a lot of stuff back Mm -hmm. you know at first I was like just my wife's going to leave me and my kids and just give me an apartment and I'll work at
3: Mm.
2: Giant Eagle and I'll bag groceries Mm -hmm. I just don't want to drink and then I got a pretty good job you know five years later Mm -hmm. I'm like well you know just you know then my wife you know like we're always going to tie that you know the more that i've gotten the less i've been willing to ask god for that humbleness again because you know you don't want to lose what you
1: have <laughs> yeah I,
2: look I, I i like stuff
1: that's hey that's pure honesty yeah. yes. It's human i don't, well, I, don't yeah. I
3: don't know this says, it says don't set your Set your affections on your possessions. Right, it right. doesn't say first hate them. things first. Mm-hmm. I think God understands the mm-hmm. human life and that possession. There's a, a value to possessions. I think asceticism has always been a danger. Live.
0: Okay, what's asceticism? <laughs> mean? Sorry,
3: tell. Sorry, I tell have a disease. Class. I use big big words. <laughs> asceticism is okay. when you're you're like a a monk. Okay. Living on, in a commune in the mountains, and you wear just one kind of clothes, and you have nothing in your room, no okay. possessions mm-hmm. okay. to, your, to your name, to somehow achieve a closeness to God. Okay. And so it's kind of like a doctrinal yep. theology. that's mm-hmm. not realistic, because God dwells with anyone who's humble, and that doesn't mean you have to be you know, physically poor. Mm. You can find a rich man who's humble. Right. right and he's sick and tired of having the money, and now he realizes I got all this money. he could be used by God,
0: right, right. what what I hear you saying is, ladies, it's okay to get highlights, it's okay to get your nails done <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> it's okay to like nice, pretty things, yeah, I don't, it, it's okay there's nothing to, wrong with it yeah I don't yeah, think
2: that's, yeah yeah, I think that God knows our heart, yeah, absolutely yeah, so we can pretend to everyone around us, but he really knows our heart, sure, he really does, and so I think that's you know I think that's where you. You know, I think that's where the surrender on a daily basis and you trying to fit, you know, to be honest, I don't even know if I fully know my heart. You know, I think I do, but I don't, and I don't know. I think the only way I can know that is by getting closer to God because he created me and all of these other things that have shaped me are just experiences and things that have either happened to me, good or bad. You know, Mm. Jeff Bogue said once, you know, we, we define ourselves more by our shackles than our savior. Yeah. And I think that's really what happens. Really well said. Like my definition of who I am is from a lot more of people saying things that I can't do Mm -hmm. than the people that have said the things that I can do. And I think that's just, it's just,
3: I think if I come back to what you were kind of the direction you were going with the combat Mm -hmm. that goes on in the church, I think it has something similar to do with that. I, I think we're in the combat because our identity isn't Jesus it's in our idea of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And my idea is different than your idea is different than... And so now I was on... I followed that video link that you sent. Mm-hmm. And I lost myself in the YouTube dungeon there for a little while.
1: <laughs> it that same guy or just everything? The, that that, that
3: guy and the stuff that pops up around it. But yeah, then yeah. I got into the watching the comments. Yeah, me too. And it is civil war. It is. In, it is. In these comments. And it's not... Be- believer versus non-believer, mm-hmm. it's all Christians that claim the name of Jesus. Mm. Yeah,
1: that's the scary part.
3: And I was sitting there, you know, the first verse, I, I wanted to look it up and read it. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 3, For you are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and division, are you not carnal and walk as men?
4: Mm-hmm.
3: For a long time, I heard that talk, I heard carnal in the terms of Sexual impurity, drinking, dancing, doing drugs, and smoke. that was carnal, my, my pleasures. Mm-hmm. Paul saw carnality in the Corinthian churches, they're fighting. Mm. They're constant bickering over who's right and who's wrong, who, who got baptized by who, who had the better teacher, who had the bigger church, the, the better whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think he said, this is not Jesus. I'm sitting on those, I almost got into it and I, I'm almost getting ready to type out this big thing and I'm just, I'm just getting sucked in yeah. to the yeah. exact same problem.
2: Yeah, you, Guil- you know, Guilty.
3: Yeah, <laughs> I have sh- been. Yeah,
1: Dude, I've seen, this is hilarious, so I posted something a few weeks ago, it turned into like a day of just bashing and it was, and it was horrible. It was it all bad. It wrecked my day. I hate confrontation. But I've seen uh, other people that I know doing the same thing and then going through this... Battle all day, and then I'll say something to them like, "Dude, that's what happens when you post on Facebook." And they're like, "I so wish I didn't." Yeah, you know, like going through the same thing that I did. Yeah. Um, and it's worse now because everybody's just right. um, sitting around waiting. Yeah, I mean we're at the in. yeah,
2: I mean we're at the you know I just heard this coming over. We're at you know forty billion or forty million or twenty million unemployment. I mean, there's people that don't have jobs. There's people that are scared. Yeah. You know, I was telling them before, I, I was gonna respond to something last night and i i decided not to but it wasn't because of how i would be represented as a believer it's because i was on the school board i mean how backward is that (laughs) like i was more concerned about the fact that i had this true and 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 i'm and i'm i'm on the school board probably because i'm probably more honest and opinionated i Mm -hmm. think for you know like um but i was like you know this could really like hurt my you know my community reputation. look reputation yeah. as a school board member not once did i think what is this saying about me as a as a as believer, a believer. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, or to- what does god want me to write right, i yeah. am totally
0: convicted because that's what i've been thinking like i'm a salon owner i'm in the community <laughs> that has been my go-to Absolutely. like i can't oh <gasps> yeah. all right i'm yeah. repenting of all, right, that cool. now.
1: all right cool all right so let's <laughs> jump into the so story this, we should wrap that up bottom line i think what we learned to stay off social media yeah <laughs> no, or be responsible. Be, yeah.
3: yeah, be responsible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah. have a we have a higher testimony, which I think you said really well, uh, Hayden. The higher testimony is Jesus, yeah. right. and you. and certainly getting engaged in that stuff on on the internet, it just you know my conspiracy theory stuff starts jumping up. Oh, so, because yeah. you know my background's in Hebraic studies, and in Hebrew. Um, The mark of the beast, when you start getting into that in the deep Hebrew side, um, the head and the hand is throughout the Bible. A mark on your head and on your hand Mm. in the Bible in the Hebraic community isn't a stamp or a tattoo or anything like that. It has to do with what you do with your hands, your work, your labor, and what controls your mind. Mm. And when I get online and I watch some of this stuff, we are under the control of that system
4: Mm-hmm.
3: so many of us we have to live by youtube and what's the next right. story coming off the news and yeah. we can't function without our phones and i'm guilty totally right. submerged in it yeah and i'm frustrated by it i don't know how to get out of it i, know, I, know. I had some self-control yesterday i didn't post a comment <laughs> right. and i praise god for that but it it just kind of works on me a little bit man we really have a problem in this area we've we've we can see the value of technology, but we don't know how to segregate it mm-hmm. into its rightful place mm-hmm. and have make sure our entire focus is on Jesus, local community, building relationships with people and discipling. Right, right. It's, but, but
2: it's this is complicated. complicated. Yeah, but this is, this is not like, this problem has been going on for years. Yes. And now, yes. You know, it's like when uh, I'll, I'll work with a guy and he's like, dude my wife left me because i left the toilet seat up and i'm like that's not why she left you bro yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of stuff before this is like the toilet <laughs> yes seat. Yes, is, yes you're right you're so right so much stuff that's been going on yes before uh, this and just how we you know slowly I, slowly I, I, this is the time of the yeah, toilet yeah time. yeah this is you know like my kids right now like you you're caught in this balance of like okay do i let my kids you know i'm i'm believing that this virus was created in china and there's a conspiracy theory but i'm okay with my kids going on Fortnite, that a game that is made by a chinese company where they're probably listening to everything that i'm doing like i'm just picking i'm just picking the pieces that make me feel comfortable i didn't know
3: that game was made by china yeah oh yeah is it
2: oh yeah it's yeah Um, the
3: lesser of the evils
2: just pick an evil so it's what i do all the time right i pick so good yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah, yeah. because their algorithms work. Yeah, yeah. And and, and it's, as a parent, because we can't go outside, we can't do things. And look, I love my kids, but I don't want to play with them all day. I've, I've chosen to live in a neighborhood where they can play with other kids because I just don't have the energy. Right, you know? <laughs> Hat, kick the can is just not fun to me, anymore. and I wish it were because I'd probably be a happier person. But I'm an adult now,
3: and you then you'd be a kid. Right. I'm an yeah.
2: adult now. How old are you? I'm Forty-seven. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. But yeah, uh... you're right. It's 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 really hard to, um, you know, I I still go back to if if I don't feel uncomfortable, you know, I will still pick and choose verses. In the bible that can relate to me feeling comfortable and mm-hmm. i have a hard time oh, yeah. going to that place where yeah. i'm not comfortable
1: that's yeah. another really good one justify I, justification
3: via scripture
2: i would be a gold, <laughs> i would be on the wheaties box I'd want to go, i, don't <laughs> I yeah,
3: think yeah. you'd have a lot of competition yeah, on that yeah. one actually yeah, yeah. 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 yeah so let's let's transition uh, yes to the story and
0: let's uh, um, let's hear your story hayden yeah, What's
3: why the? we have Hayden sitting with us this right. morning?
4: Yeah.
2: Thanks for having me first of all. Thanks um, for coming. Yeah. I this is great timing for me. I think you know where, where
3: were you born?
2: So I was born in Austin, Texas.
3: Ooh, yep. Texan.
2: Yep. That's where all that soul's from. Yeah, That's yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm, I'm a native Texan. Um, my mom, who passed away about nine years ago, she was uh, she was from Austin. I have a majority of my family, um, still lives in the Texas area. And then my dad was is a Canadian, um, and he came over to the united states actually he defected and i use quotations because i don't know if it was really defecting but to be in the um vietnam war and his dad was a, a soldier for the french army and wow. his battalion group and i'm proud i hope if my dad listens to this he'll be like you know you screwed up your grandpa's story but <laughs> they were actually responsible for um capturing uh hitler
4: Oh wow. wow. So
2: so my dad really grew up, you know, my dad was actually born in Germany um and then moved to
3: Oh wow. Uh, Canadian, oh my god. So my dad
2: really grew up in sort of this uh kind of a European household, right? Yeah. Compared to like the I'm a patriot, I'm from Texas, you know. Um you know, so
3: French Canadian then basically? French
2: Canadian, yep, okay. absolutely, yep. So um yeah. And so my dad was in Vietnam, and then when that time was over, he rented a motorcycle and drove around Europe. He's been really independent. So he's actually very interesting to talk to because he's done a lot of things that most people wouldn't. Mm. So he's got a lot of great stories. But, yeah, so my mom and dad met in Austin, uh, and they had me. And then I have a sister who's three years younger than me, and she now lives in Jacksonville. And she works for a church, one of the largest churches actually uh, in the United States. Oh, wow. So a church called 1142. Um, they're a huge church in Jacksonville, and so she is underpaid and overworked. For being a church. Like
1: everyone <laughs> did you else hear is... that? Did you hear that church in
2: Jacksonville? Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I say that about you know anytime someone talks to me about what a pastor makes or uh, something yeah. at a church, I get super defensive oh. because I'm like, you don't, you know, it, you don't I, know. I was a pastor kid. No yeah. idea. Oh yeah. So yeah. You're yeah. Gonna have... yeah it's four kids,
1: and I don't know how my parents did it. Yeah. On yeah. his salary. Yep. Yeah. I don't know how they yeah, did it. Yeah. It's so.
2: Um, yeah. So that's kind of my. My story, and then we moved. Were around. your were your parents
3: um, believers? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. My okay. mom was. Yeah, my mom grew up in the church. Um, you know, Pentecostal, speak in tongues, oh, okay. um, run around the church. You know, don't wear Been makeup, there. don't cut your hair. Um, run around the. Oh, so the <laughs> the old
3: school, <laughs> Pente- school Pentecostal. Old okay, school
2: Pentecostal, Slain yep, in the spirit. Yep. yep. Translation okay. of someone who speaks in tongues. You mm-hmm. know. Oh um, wow. Yeah. So, yeah, she grew up in the church, and then she married a guy who my dad who came into the church and I think he, he jumped in, you know, like he was the guy that like got saved. I think he felt a ton of redemption. He was oh, wow. driving the bus for that church right away. Oh, wow. know, he went from like zero to a hundred quickly,
0: radically saved. Yep. I like to call radically it radically
2: saved. So, um, yeah, so they met and then, um, yeah. And then my, I have, a uh, I have cousins that live in Lubbock and, their father, who passed away, was a pastor. So I have a cousin who's a pastor of a church in Lubbock, and his whole family—oh, wow!—very uh, musical, and they all are ministry leaders in their church. So, um, yeah, my my church, my family on that side, we've—it's you know, all believers. Wow! So um, that's yeah. a good heritage. But yeah, it is. But a lot of dysfunction inside of that. Uh, know, okay. Yeah. Amen. Uh, yeah, I'm familiar. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there's a lot of you know guilt and shame can be a a really yeah great big. thing to get mm-hmm. you to where you need to be, but it can be a horrible thing to deal with. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, yeah. Yep. Yeah.
3: So did you, did you stay in Texas? You're, you said, yeah, I think yeah. I interrupted you and you said you were getting ready to move around. Yeah. Or...
2: So when I was three, my dad took a job in, man, I'm old. Um, my dad, my father <laughs> took a job. We moved to Dallas and we lived there for a couple of years and then we moved to San Antonio Um, and we were still kind of involved in that whole UPC movement. Um, and then we moved out to, uh, Atlanta and we lived with a bunch of other families. I think, I think they were all like the, uh, they were all in the UPC movement, and they saw some things that they didn't understand. So we got together and lived in a house.
0: Can um, you tell me what done. the UPC movement is? I don't know.
2: Uh, so it's just a Pentecostal movement. Okay. Yeah,
3: United Pentecostal yeah, Church. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
2: You, can, you can join a Facebook group of people that are like, you know, it's kind of, you know, I mean, they're, they they just had some things, I think, that were, they interpreted the Bible a little bit differently, but there were a lot of rules. And, okay. You know, from what I understand, you looked a certain way if you were a Christian, and you know, yeah. um, like women not being able to cut their hair, wear makeup, okay. or being they
3: right, they, they similar well. to how the Ohio uh, Mennonites look. Okay. Yeah.
0: Okay.
2: Yep.
3: The head coverings yeah. okay. and long hair and okay. dresses yeah. and pastel colors. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
2: It, it wasn't that deep, but yeah, but you know, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, very—you know—worship was a huge thing, mm-hmm. a big—you know—a yeah. big—you know, church was four hours long, and you went on Wednesday night, and you went on Friday night, mm-hmm. and so, um, and so then from. Uh, You know, I think we moved moved to Gainesville, Florida. At some point, we had moved to Gainesville. And my dad is in the television industry, but he does all of the um, equipment that you see. So, like, if you go to TBN, right, my dad has sold them their um, cameras and their lighting and their microphones. Oh, wow. You know, my dad could come into this room and say, hey, this is not the best mic you need. I'll tell you what you need. You know, and so he's, to this day, he still does, he's 72. He still does some consulting. But we ended up moving to Michigan, and then when I was in seventh grade— we moved to, uh, Richfield, Ohio. And I told my parents, I'm like, we're not moving again. Mm-hmm. And so my dad, Yeah, that's quite a few company.
3: moves by the yeah, time you're seven.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so I was, luckily I, I've always been pretty outgoing. So people have never been my issue, but then again, people have been my biggest issue. Mm. Um, cause you know, I've always wanted to please people or at least did for a long time. So, um, and yeah, we moved here and, um, I had a bunch of really close friends in high school and, uh, Those friends that I had were all of my parents' close friends, so we would vacation and do things together, Um, and so I grew up in, you know, I had a really, from seventh grade to I think, you know, even today, um, that part of my life has been extremely well. I I had a great experience in middle school and high school, um, you know, uh, for the couple of years that I went to college. A lot of my friends that I had in seventh grade are still close friends of mine today. Wow. Yep.
0: So So I want to ask you about the singing. So you said you started singing at three.
2: Yeah. So I started singing in church at three um, and then I could always sing when I got to uh, Revere, you know, I was, I think I was almost kind of, I think I went through this period and I think sometimes I still go through this where um, I almost, and this is going to sound, I'm gonna say this and say it. I can't wait. It's gonna sound really conceited, but I don't mean it in this way. But it's gonna sound like this. So go ahead and judge. But I,
0: (laughs) I love it. I
2: I I think I knew how talented I was. Yeah. And and I think that there was a part of me that like, I didn't want to be. Um. I just I didn't want to get attention for that because of I think, my talent, right? And I think Mm -hmm. there was a part of me that felt comfortable being on stage, and then there was a real big part of me that didn't feel comfortable being on stage and then I think when I got into high school athletics became such a big deal to me you know there wasn't the Disney channel at the time right so mm-hmm. you couldn't be in performing yeah. arts and be a football player those two, two things didn't combine and I think from the pleasing people mm-hmm. if I stood out more than someone else I might be exiled from a group of people that were all doing the same thing so I mm-hmm. think that's a struggle that I went through um, in early childhood and the light bulb just kinda of went off. It's that's probably a big struggle that I and that's something that I have to give up to God still today. Right. You mean and the I, light bulb literally just went off? Just literally, now. just when you said that and I'm thinking and I'm just going through, you mm. know, because I even notice in my I I don't like to even if I make you like if you have a problem with me, you and I need to talk and I need to explain to you how could you have a problem with me? Cause I'm mm-hmm. such a great guy and I'm so nice. Right. Cause I'll go out of my way for you, mm-hmm. but am I really doing it for you or am I doing it for me? Or is it a combination of both? Right. Because I get this, you know, um, like, like mother Teresa said, you know, I do all these things because it's so addicting, right? It's mm-hmm. like it, it, I can make it about me. And I, I try think you're
0: an Enneagram to. too, if we're typing, <laughs>
2: Just, well, he's a George Costanza. <laughs> yeah.
1: He wants everybody to like, him. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I want to go out on a high note. Yeah. I say that all the time. Yeah, so, <laughs> well um, done. so I think, yeah. So, but I knew, I knew there was always a talent there. So I started and finally, my mom was like, look, you, you have to join course. You have to sing. I had a great course teacher who really, um, you know, got me out there and I started singing. And then, um, when I was a senior in high school, um, it was right around the time that boys to men, uh, the group boys to men, they were discovered by this guy, Michael Bivens. So yes. Michael, Biv- you know, they met of Michael Bivens Biv- yes, yes. hey. oh. backstage. Mm-hmm. He discovered them. So of
3: new edition
2: of new edition. Yes. No yeah. way. So, so they met Michael Bivens backstage. And so this, they were on this, it was a Budweiser fest tour and it was like MC hammer and, uh, Maybe not MC Maritas, Bel Biv DeVoe and a bunch of other artists, and they and so the thing was because Michael Bivins had met this group Boys to Men. After the show, he would you would go back to where he was staying, and all these people would sing for him, hoping to get like a record deal because that's oh, what like, happened to Boys to Men, like the first American Idol, early. American it was really Idol-ish. like the first. So my buddy Keith Weaver, who now lives in Atlanta, um, he called me at like one thirty in the morning, and he's like, "Dude, Michael Bivins is at a hotel. You got to come sing for him right mm-hmm. now," and so I like. You know, I got out of bed, and my dad's like, "Yeah, go ahead." You know, I think I think honest, I think I was Crazy. allowed to do more because there was like the more we are capable of like watching and controlling people, the less we let them do. You know, when we were growing up, you had a house phone.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: You left, and if you came home, you were alive, and if you didn't, a policeman came to your house. <laughs> right. And said, You're, you know, True. So you know, now I track everything my kids do. Yeah. So, right. <clears throat> Which um, but so I went and sang oh, for them, and they were like. uh, there were probably 150 people that sang for him. And when I sang for him, you know, people started cheering. Then he's like, sing something else. And I sang something else. And he's like, all right, let me get your number. And he wrote my number down on a little, like, gum wrapper. So, you know, I went home and went to bed. And, like, two days later, at like, two in the morning, my mom's, like, woke me up. She's like, Michael Bivens is on the phone. And I'm like, whatever. So I go down <laughs> on the phone. I'm like, screw you, Jeff, and hung up. You know, I would, and so he called back and he's like, no, this is Michael Bivens. He's like, I want to offer you a record deal. Oh, you're kidding. No, it How was like, you? You... I was 18. I was going wow. into OU. So, um, and I had gotten into OU. I didn't have the grades. So I had a friend who hooked me up with their music. This smart, is
3: Ohio State?
2: Ohio University. Okay. So, um, so I ended up, you know, we, we looked, we, I signed a record deal basically off of that four minutes of singing, Mm-hmm. um, Before I went to Ohio University, so when I went to Ohio University, the last thing I cared about was being a student, right? Because I knew I was going to go to L.A. and, um, you know, work on an album. So I, I did not take O.U., very seriously, I've actually told my nieces and nephews if they do the exact opposite of every decision that I made in college, my freshman year, you could be the next president of the <laughs> United States. That, that's how, that's how. So, uh, so that evolved. Um, I had a deal with Motown, and the CEO resigned.
3: This uh, is what early '90s. Yeah, uh, yeah, like '93,
2: '94. Okay. Yeah. So, finish an album, cut a video. Um, you know, I oh, was like can third...
0: we? is that video still out there? I don't, you we... know,
2: it's, it was on VHS. That's all it was. So I, and I have it somewhere, but I can't find it. Okay. But, um, <laughs> well you gotta find it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think I was the third white artist ever signed to Motown. Oh, um, dude, that's crazy. So, um, but can, I, a... can I, can I, yep. can I ask, was there money involved? Um, yeah. So, yeah. So there, you get like a signing bonus. Yeah. Right. And then they pay for all your travel. Yeah. Yeah you know, you live like a rock star. Now, what you don't realize is everything that they give you when you're making an album, everything they give you when you're making an album goes against your budget and you have to Uh, return that money back with what you get for selling a CD or at that time a cassette tape, which is like, Five cents,
1: and when you're eighteen, you
2: don't think about that. You don't even. You're no, just wanting to no, spend no, the no. money. Yeah. I'll be honest. When you're 47, most people don't think. <laughs> oh about well, that. Yes. okay, okay, by, you cool. know, You're blinded by all these other things. So Fair. yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I was you know half the time I was living in New York in uh, between Fifth and Sixth Avenue on 52nd Street in a uh, suite hotel that was five thousand dollars a month, and then when I was out in L.A., I was staying in a hotel in a suite that was probably five thousand dollars a month. You know, I I had a rental car. I had a road manager, so you know, you, you, yeah, you know, you don't think about that at all. And wow. because I think I was, um, you know, the way that they were marketing me was I was this uh, white guy who sang pretty soulfully, coming out. You know, I always tell my wife when I see Justin Timberlake, I'm like, I hate that guy. She's <laughs> like, when I'm like, I was him. Oh, same time. <laughs> yeah. say, no, it was before that. Right but like, before you know, him, they were yeah. marketing me like this. Yes. Almost like a younger, hipper Elvis. Uh, so it was like, you know, the feedback we had gotten was, this guy's going to really blow up. But wow. what happened was the CEO of um, Motown resigned like a week before my album came out. So he had some illnesses and um, the album got put on a shelf because I was actually with what was called Motown and then a subsidiary, Biff 10 Records. <clears throat> Excuse me. So the album got shelved. They paid me like 2300 bucks a month. Just said, stay at home. We're gonna figure out what to do. When you're 20 years old, 2,300 bucks a month is great. moving oh, at yeah. home, I'm playing golf. You know, <clears laughs> like yeah, it, especially
3: it, in the early 90s. I mean, okay. Yeah, yeah, you know,
2: that yeah. That
3: money absolutely. went a long way.
2: Yeah. So then I met these guys from Michael Bivins, who had he met these three guys from New Jersey, and uh they really fit the look of like a boy band, like three good-looking Italian guys who could all sing. Um, I'm still friends with them today, um, and he asked me to, you know, would I consider joining a group and i was like yeah you know i would love to be around people right i like to please people i like to be around people um absolutely so i came in and was the lead singer of that group and then we made a demo and we ended up getting signed with columbia records fired michael bivins because he you know there was there was a lot of turmoil there and it was it was pretty ugly um but we ended up signing with um columbia and then we interviewed a bunch of managers and we actually picked matthew knowles beyonce, beyonce knowles father to manage us oh. so, so we created <laughs> crazy so we created this album um we started kind of um uh doing things off the like piggybacking off of beyonce at this time it was um
0: destiny's child destiny's
2: child right uh, so the, yeah. so destiny's child had four members to their group two of the members had gotten kicked out because I think they were questioning too many things. Yes. Um, And then I remember hearing about that. And so he brought in two other people and then this one girl started to question things and they went with three girls and this was right near Mm -hmm. like the survivor. And when they were like, they started to blow up. Mm -hmm. So we came on the inception of like, they were, they weren't, they were, they weren't big enough to have their own tour, but they were big enough to be on the Christina Aguilera tour as like the act that came on right before Her. Christina Aguilera. We were the
1: first group. You were the opener. We and were the opener. And Christina. No, no. we
2: were the opener than another group, and then, uh, then Christina. So we got a little dressing room. Um, <laughs> you know, at this time, our album wasn't even out yet, but we it was getting released. Um, and so we were on that tour, and they had a tour bus. We had a van, but we could... A lot of times, we'd ride with them, and then they went overseas, and we went with them. And then we also did... In that time period, we were doing what was called a Teen People Mall Tour with Destiny's Child. So we would do a, we would go do a mall, like in, we would go to, let's say, Boston, right? We'd go to this big urban mall in Boston. We would do three or four songs with like 12,000 kids screaming, right? I think I was 21 <laughs> at the time, or maybe I was 23, right? And then they would go, then we'd get on a plane, we'd fly to the show, we'd do the show, and that was just that back and forth all the time. So we were, you know, and for us, it was great. But you know we were we weren't living well like you know we were getting like thirty five bucks a day per diem for food but everything was really supplied to us and then uh, as we started to get deeper into that I started to see some things from Beyonce's dad where I'm like this doesn't make sense like something what like and I started to question some stuff and then so wait you were hanging out with Destiny's Child yeah you got to know him pretty well yep I did yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was I became it's funny about five years ago Beyonce came to um, Cleveland and I called her dad who him and I don't talk um and that's really on him like you know I mean he did a lot of things that are you know career ending for me really badly career ending for Mm me um but and I can get into that but I'm like hey can I get tickets to the show and um one of his assistants got us tickets and we got to meet Beyonce backstage and I'm like Jen you know like I know you know my wife's name is Jen I'm like look I know Beyonce, like she's going to recognize us. Like just be prepared. Like this is the most beautiful woman you're ever going to see. Like you're going to not be able to talk to her. I just want to warn you. Like she really is that beautiful. And my wife's like, whatever. And so we walk in and there's all these girls waiting to get her picture. And she sees me and she's like, Hey, Dan, oh my God. And my wife's like, so we're taking all these pictures. And it's like a thousand photos, you know, like these quick shot pictures that we ended up seeing. And like in every picture, she looks amazing. And we're like, you know, our faces are all blinking. Yeah. So, (laughs) um, now her life has, you know, she's from where I knew her at an 18 year old kid to where she is now, it's totally different from what I've seen in the media. I don't know Mm -hmm. her, you know, but the girl that I knew at 18 years old was a convicted believer. Um, was really, oh yeah. Um, you know, very shy, like, one of the shyest people I've ever met. But when she goes on stage, she's just a different person. Mm-hmm. And probably, I would say, of all the people I've worked with, um, and I've worked with some really, some of the most talented people that are in the industry, she's top one or two most talented people that I've ever worked with. Really? Wow. She is the opinion. She's the real deal, huh? She is above the real deal. Like, wow. she can, you know, like, she can sing anything. She can harmonize with anything. Um, she is the real deal. She is absolutely the real deal. But yeah. um, you know, from what I see today, it's not the same Beyonce. But I, I don't know her, and the yeah. truth is, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but I don't even would care to even spend a couple of days with her sure. because that's just not that lifestyle is not, not your any, scene anymore, huh? Yeah, I just have no desire.
3: So, yeah. so how when you're going in at eighteen, nineteen, twenty, are are you bringing? Um, any kind of baggage with you? Is it starting to, does the lifestyle start to work on you at some point?
2: You know, it's funny. Um, yeah, I had a lot of baggage, but it, all of that didn't really, um, come out until that all of that was over. Really? I was actually very focused. Um, even in our group, they would go out, I would stay in
3: really, I'd give myself
2: like one night a week, one weekend where I could, you know, we'd go out and drink and have fun. But, um, yeah, I was really focused on, I, you know, I wanted to become, I wanted to make a lot of money and I wasn't really worried about the famous part of it. That never was my thing. I wanted to become really wealthy quick and I wanted to play golf and not work. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> like that retirement. Was, plan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I, I was never like being famous, like being recognized is like, to me, that's okay. That was never my bag. I really liked singing and I still really like, I love music. You know, I can go on YouTube and put in a Stevie Wonder cover and watch people do that cover on YouTube all day long and get lost in it. Um, I still really enjoy seeing it. Like, I'll post stuff on Facebook. And I do like the comments. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, if anyone says they don't, I'll go in every 20 minutes and be like, oh, they liked it. And that Listen, feels
0: what did you do in the garage that was, like, reposted? Uh, um,
2: can You Stand the Rain by New oh Edition. Oh my gosh, but I love it. I, um, you know, I think as I've gotten older, I think I kind of <laughs> like it more because it brings me back to, like, my the
3: 80s. Years. Yeah. yeah. But,
2: when all of that was over, that's Yeah, you're
3: really, you're sparking all kinds of memories yeah. for me
2: right <laughs> now. <laughs> that's when the, that's when my I think that's when my um you know, demons, I think that's when they really came out when that ended.
3: After it ended.
2: Yeah, there was a time period, you know, we were in Houston for a while and it was four guys in a hotel room, so don't get me wrong, I mean, we would, you know, we would drink 12-15 beers a night. You know, sometimes three nights in a row. Not to someone who doesn't drink. That's not a lot. To a guy who's an alcoholic, that's like the pre-party, you know. So, but yeah, we would party. But it never got, like I was never, you know, I wasn't a big drug guy. Um, I, you know, I I never did um, cocaine or um, any hard drugs. But I've always, I'm also a, I also uh, am, I'm kind of a little bit of an insomniac. You know, if I read something on WebMD, I can diagnose myself with it pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. So I'm really like, I'm, as, as we're talking, I've, I've got a lot of issues.
0: Like, uh, I think
2: I, everybody I, does. I, I think have a it's... lot of faith, but there's a part of me that knows that I'm going to be the one to get cancer. If that makes sense. It's, it's a very odd place. That, you know, I'm in this really weird place. So, um, yeah, this is, this is, this is, this is not as fun as I thought it was going to be. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> so, just
3: now that you look myself, at that, yeah. I think I want to go home.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. so we so yeah, like, yeah, yeah so we did all that and then i i met my wife on a thanksgiving and you know i was like wow i really how did that. you meet her so a friend of mine asked me to go to uh a, a thanksgiving dinner that was on a sunday because they couldn't do it on thursday um asked me to go to a thanksgiving dinner on a sunday to her family's house and um That Sunday came around, and I was hungover, and I didn't want to go. And I was at home. You know, I'm like 25 years old. And my mom's like, no, you're going.
3: And you're in Texas at the point. No,
2: no, we're here in Ohio. In Ohio. Yep. So this is after I'd gone to – my parents still stayed in Ohio. So my mom's like, no, you're going. If you make a promise, you're going to do it, and you're going to go. So we went there. And my wife, Jen, was there. And I was like, oh. And so her story is they they asked us to – they asked if someone would say – the blessing for thanksgiving dinner and she's like when you prayed she's like wow this guy's really deep well i'm sure in my mind i was thinking if i say a really good prayer i got a shot to land she, you know, she doesn't know the inner you know and, the inner workings you know, yeah and i've been around church and pastors so long You're that, I can, that is actually how it works you yeah, know, i can i can pray <laughs> That's what Tim, how Tim yeah. yeah i can pray with the best of them and really be like excited about how i'm sounding in my prayer
4: yeah
0: i love your honesty i know it's
2: pretty so yeah um, so yeah so we met and then we immediately hit it off like every day together and then i had this group going and so um the the finality of the group was we were down in texas and we were there was this thing called mtv going home and uh this is when mtv was still popular and mtv was doing a series of they were filming destiny's child because they had blown up to a point now where they were it was behind the scenes like a three-day behind the scenes everything they were doing right so anything we did there were camera people and um and uh matthew said hey i want you guys to sing a song at our church on sunday and i said all right i'll get these guys you know like we'll do a acapella version of amazing grace you know but we'll kind of spice it up and the guys that i grew up with they were Italians from New Jersey, they went to a Catholic church, so they're like, "What, you know, what are we going to do?" I so like a hand-
0: spicy version of Amazing church. Amazing Grace. Yeah, yeah, I'm, li- I'm yeah. liking this. So,
2: so we we decided to um, we wanted to do that song, <clears throat> and Matthew Knowles said, "No, you're doing a song from the album. This In is going to be on MTV from Church." And we had a couple uh, of songs that were like that could have like you know oh, like okay. it was a secular song that could have you know yeah. so I ended up kind of we ended up changing some of the lyrics. So it was, it was more of surrender, but it was really to surrender. You know, it was really a love song to a woman. It was, so we did mm-hmm. that. And afterwards, you know, um, I went up to Matthew and I said, listen, I said, I- I'm not doing this anymore. I'm like, you know, like, you know, that moment should have been about us and, you know, what God has done for us. And you made it about us and, and this song and you used your church and you used us to sell more albums. And I go, you know, I didn't feel, I just didn't feel comfortable. And it's crazy because I wasn't really like, my relationship with God was far apart at this point. Yeah, yeah. And he looked at me and he goes, He goes, You work for me. You don't ever tell me what you're going to do. I will tell you what you're going to do. And that, and we had a big show the next day on like their Fox News local. And I went home and I said, Guys, I'm done. Wow. I'm done. Now, part of it was, you know, I could be a hero and say it was a conviction of God. But part of it was I had this woman that I was, you know, when you fall in love, I mean, it causes wars.
4: Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know,
2: you'll you'll. So I think she played a big part in that and um, not doing it on purpose. And then I think there was some conviction. So I called my attorney and he's like, look, he's like, Hayden, come to New York. Go home. I've got you'll be a, you can sign as a solo artist. I've got labels that are dying to get with you. And so yeah. I talked to the guys in the group, said, Listen, here's the deal. I'm leaving. I'll sign as a solo artist. We'll figure out how to get this back together. I'll try to do my best. And then two days later, my attorney called and said, Dude, nobody. Matthews made the rounds. Oh, uh, you, know, you were blacklisted. Uh, I, I think I was sort of blacklisted. I think if I wanted to really go to New York and tell my story and sing, I think I could have. But part of me wanted to be with this woman, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we ended up getting married and having a kid and I had to go sell, you know, I started selling cars and that's really, when that happened, that's when everything that I think I was suppressing
4: Mm. came
2: out. And that's where my alcoholism like went from zero to a hundred really quickly. So I was really ashamed that I was selling cars when people, you know, like, Hey, I thought you were just touring in Europe. Right. You're selling Mm. me a Land Rover, you know, and my friends were like, dude, are you okay with this? And I'm like, I'm fine. Like, it is it is what it is. But oh, wow. deep down, I was not fine. I was broken to the point of, like, pretty bad. So I started drinking every day. You know, I, I would drink on the weekends.
3: How old are you at this time? Uh,
2: 20, well, I'm 47, 37. So it's probably 29, 30. Wow. And, and you're married with one kid, correct? Four. Oh, at that, at that time. time, time. Oh, no, 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 no. So we got married. Uh-huh. I started doing that. And then we had our first child. Okay. So but um,
3: so you were already drinking every oh, yeah, day before, yeah, before yeah, the first yeah, child was so, born.
2: Yeah, what would happen was, you know, I'd go out on a Thursday night. Then I'd go out on a Friday night. Then I'd go out on a Saturday night, right? And, and I will tell you, and this is really weird about me, but, you know, the first, I can tell you where I was the first time I drank, but every time I drank the next day, I had this feeling of guilt that I could not understand where it came from. I'm like, why doesn't other people feel guilty? <laughs> and it wasn't even that I did anything wrong. I had this yeah. feeling of guilt where I just felt like God was telling me, you, not everyone else, but you should not be doing this.
4: Hmm. And
2: part of it, I think, was, at least I thought part of it was, I grew up in a UPC church as a young kid, you know, I, you know, and I was five when we got out of that. So I don't think I remember those things, but I think there's some things that probably molded in me subconsciously. But mm-hmm. I think I use that as like, well, that's just guilt, because, you know, in the UPC church, you can't even have a glass of wine. You know, one yeah. glass of wine. And I don't believe that. I just don't. That's not, That's my own – you know, I don't mm-hmm. – you know, I cannot have a glass of wine. You're mm. welcome. You know, my wife has wine. She should. She. Should. That's For her, that's not the sin she battles. You know, we all have different things we battle. Yep. Um. But I had this – I had such guilt. And, I mean, it was, like, really bad, like, really bad, like, all day long thinking about it. You know, so I think –
3: so you're wrestling with what you lost and then you're yeah. wrestling with the guilt yeah
2: and then so it was just easier wow. to drink because yeah. you know look when you have any anxiety the greatest elixir oh, yeah. is alcohol a little right. bit of alcohol can cure that anxiety so, takes it all out right so that that ended up you know this has become a much longer story but i ended up drinking you know this started every day and then it started waking up in the morning and sneaking out to my car did and, your wife know uh i think. Maybe, but, you know, who wants to believe that their husband is that much of a drunk? And I was really, you know, I was very good at, like, hiding it. So, you know, I always had Altoids. You know, I I drank vodka because I didn't think it smelled. I would very much keep my distance. Um, You know, if I ever, if anyone, if my hands ever shook, it was because I pulled my back. And I, you know, I pulled a muscle Mm. in my back. You had a plan for every... Had a plan. If there were 15 people that were going to be in a room, I needed to know what we were doing and why we were doing. I was ready for the intervention. You know, oh. I knew, I knew I would be. Like, oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh, I was wow. ready for the intervention. Don't, don't, look, wow. Look, alcoholics are geniuses. Don't <laughs> kid I was living three lives and maintaining a job. You know. Wow. You know. Um, so. And then it all started to catch up with me. You know, and my daughter was born um, October twenty fifth, two thousand and five. Um, October, November. So November. Uh, actually, right before that, people started to say, "Dude, you're like kind of yellow." Like, you're yellow. And my wife one day goes, you're you're yellow. Like, you know, and I woke up in the middle. I would never sleep, right? I w- always was like, oh, my God, if I get caught, you know, not I'm going to die. Oh, People wow. aren't going to like me because I'm an alcoholic. Oh. That's my thought. Um, mm. So I woke up one night, and I'm like, hey, I got to tell you, uh, I drink a lot more than you think. And she's half asleep. She's like, how much? And I'm like, oh, a lot. And she's like, well, okay, we'll get through it. Well, that's, you know. So I went to the doctor. You know, and he goes, hey, how much do you drink? And I'm like, I have a glass of wine with my wife. And he closes the door, and uh, he says, come on. He goes, let's be honest here. How much do you drink? And I was halfway honest. And he goes, I'm worried about you. You're jaundiced. Well, they did my blood work, and three days later, I went one day before that. I decided when I left that doctor's office, the next day I decided I wasn't going to drink. And I got in my car at 8 in the morning, and I drove around Fairlawn and Montrose for 10 hours, and I talked to two or three different people, and I was Totally scared, and that night I think this was the day after I went to doctor. That night when I came home, we got a call and they're like, "Your husband needs to come to the emergency room immediately."
1: Wait, you drove around? You mean you got like second
2: and third opinions? No, I just drove around and called friends because you were freaked out and and almost like, "Hey, you're gonna hear this, but I want to tell you like it's you know." But like, and they're like, "Dude, how much you you know?" Like just, um, Mm. this is funny. I before that happened, I was headed. To Rockney's to meet a bunch of friends, and I decided not to go and my buddy, his name's Chris Hibbs, um, he called me. he's like, "Dude, we need to talk. and I'm like, what's up?" And he goes, "People are concerned about your drinking, and this is not a joke. I am pouring." diluted vodka that i got at the sitco right because i did so i had like five gas stations that i would go to because i didn't want the you 18 like, year old cashier to know i was a drunk you got to sparse yeah. it out yeah, right
1: yeah, yeah. like i only drink once a day according to that case yeah, yeah. or once a week according right. to that so guy. i had a
2: little seven up and i'll just pour this diluted vodka and that's just what i drink you know and so wow. this my buddy chris hips called me and he goes look we're really concerned with your drinking and i'm literally in my car and i'm filling up you know pushing the plastic vodka and i'm like you got a lot of nerve dude you haven't seen me in like four years and you're going to go off some... I mean, I let him have it. And he knew, you know, he knew. Um, but, you know... And how I did was, how did people
3: know at that point? Well,
2: because you... Look, you smell, you act differently. You know, I mean, I was, you know... they are like, the
3: people that were, were just observing it and talking. I just
2: think, yeah, everyone, you know, like you're always yeah. the last guy to know. You know, when yeah. I told people, hey, I'm going to start going to AA, no one said to me, really? They're like, dude, that, may, that might be good for you, you know, in, in a polite way. So, um, anyway... I go to the hospital and they're like, "You're gonna die." Wow! And they told my wife. They brought her in. They're like, "He has ten days to live. Like his oh liver's gosh. gone. He's uh, he has the highest, you know, Billy Rubin count we've ever seen." So how much were you drinking every day? For like three how years. much though? I mean, from morning till I went to bed. Vodka. Vodka.
1: Yep. So you're talking Seven. probably a couple bottles. Of oh yeah, and it was
2: diluted. Like it was even bad vodka. It wasn't like yeah, you know, cheap gas station vodka. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. a big the big plastic t- yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yep, yep, yeah. Uh-huh. Like, you know yeah yep. yep oh i mean like you know it's my i used to go to my dad's house and they didn't know so we'd go there and have a drink and i'd pour a drink and the other day i was at my dad's house and he had the same glass uh, that i used to drink out of and i could smell memory. the vodka oh. in the cup. oh my yeah. god i was like oh my god you know yeah um, those
1: kind of memories
2: yeah so yeah. um so anyway, I went, you know, and they pumped me with Ativan and people came in and I don't really remember. I mean, from what I was told, I was a jerk to everyone, but I got out of, uh, I got out of the hospital. Um, I made a miraculous, my, my liver started to get better. You yeah. know, they were going to fly me to Pittsburgh. My wow. liver started to get better. They pumped me. Uh, I had to go to what was called outpatient. That was one of my things. Um, and they gave me, um, a high dose of steroids. So. I literally had gotten up to like 300 pounds from these steroids. And then they gave me so many diuretics that I lost like 80 pounds in two weeks.
0: Oh my gosh. Like I
2: had, I looked great, but I had no muscle, you know, Mm. like I had lost everything. And so I, I, I went to this outpatient, uh, you know, for four weeks and then I started in AA, but I never surrendered. I just, I just didn't, you know, I just didn't want to, the bottom line is I didn't know this. I just didn't want to stop drinking. And the funny thing is and I say this a lot when I give my lead I never asked God to help me with my drinking because I think I knew he would. Mm. Yeah. Yep. So I I went through that rat race. What's from, the
3: what's the reason for what's the reason for that? Why why didn't you want was it just cuz you liked it or yeah, was there yeah, something deeper yeah. than that?
2: Yeah, having a buzz is great, man. It's mm. fun. It's you know, I mean I was like it just allowed me like I didn't have like, I could just totally be myself. I think it was just this, I'm an alcoholic. You know, like, there's a love, there's a love with alcohol. Like, you know, people don't, the alcoholic is different, you know. When I, the I, feeling, can, right? I can remember the first time I had a drink. Mm-hmm. I can't remember if I lived in Atlanta or Gainesville, you know what I mean? <laughs> but I can tell you where I was the first time I drank. You know, I was in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania in our basement. I can tell you what, it was brown carpet. I, I just, when I, when that hit my body, I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. You know, I mean, it was just this feeling. So I think it, you know, and I just, I learned to like, you know, I would love to golf. You can drink. Bowling. You can drink. Awesome at drinking sports. And bowl. <laughs> yeah, drinking sports, right. You know, so I just think, you know, it just allowed me, it just, it took away all of, I think there was a lot of anxiety inside of me. And I think there was, you know, I think does even, that come
3: back to the wanting to please people.
2: Absolutely. I think yeah. so. Yeah, I think it's, you know, I think it's I think I was I think, look, you know, my mom always said you were dedicated to God as a baby. You know, she's tell me, like, you're different. Like we I knew when I had you, I think, you know, I was running from God for a long time mm-hmm. and some of it wasn't as dramatic and I think devastating on people as alcoholism. But I think I started running. You know, I used to have these weird dreams of like the world ending and like I was like pain and like I had to make a decision. Am I going to choose God or people and things that I don't think the normal, you know, I've asked my wife. I just think I was running from God,
4: mm-hmm.
2: which for me, I've looked at it like he loved me so much. He kept chasing me. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, amen. Because I was like, boom. And I just think it just built up and built up and built up and built up. And so, um, yeah, so I went. So I ended up getting out of the hospital and I. Um, got sober and was sober for three years.
3: But wow. not so much willingly. No, I
2: didn't. I, you did it because you had to. It. I went to AA. Well, I was scared, too. When someone tells you you're going to die, yeah. it will yeah, change you for a while. It. Right. Um, look, Justin, I used to wash my hands. When this epidemic started, or pandemic, whatever it is, um, this conspiracy theory, whatever we decided it's going to be <laughs> right. later The Chinese up. Communist Party. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was washing my hands 15 times a day. Yes. I'm down to like two. Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's that's you go to the you bathroom. Know, you know, wash your hands. Yeah. Take that over a long period of time when you die, you know, and so and it I don't think it helped me that like I was, you know, I was always, a, you know, I've always battled with my weight like I was always a heavier kid. But when you play football and you get big and you're working out, it's acceptable. But then when you don't and you want to get girls, you got to look, you know, so I think I looked good when I got sober because I lost all that weight. I was sober. People would come up to me and be like, dude, you haven't drank in like six months. Like you're amazing. And I would be like, you're right. Like my willpower is so great. So, and then in AA, I went there and I was like, I'm not like you. Like you don't have a car, dude. Yeah, mm-hmm. I live in a nice house. Well, I didn't have any of that. My wife had a really good job. You know, uh-huh. I was borrowing money from her, but so I didn't, and I do not I think that whole place that made me feel comfortable, but I did. It was about three years. I stayed sober and my wife and I, Ended up moving into a neighborhood, and Copley where were Revere schools, but you know, and that's when the dads, you know, dads would take their kids in the wagon, and they would have a beer, and all the neighborhood kid, you know, we're all a new neighborhood, and you're learning each other, and so, I went to my wife, and I'm like, you know, I think I could maybe have a beer, and she didn't really know, and I think a part of her was even maybe like, yeah, like, you could be normal again, like we could um, go to, you know, like why wouldn't she think that, right, I, you right. know, so what I noticed was these guys would be like, you know, this is three weeks into it, they're like. I I have a meeting tomorrow. I'm on my second beer and I'm like, "Oh, I've, I'm on 10." <laughs> you know, I'm going to my garage every minute. So, it spiraled out of control again and They went, say
1: they say it's an alcoholic once you get back in, you you start where you ended. Oh yeah, yeah, like, it just uh, gets worse. Yeah, it gets yeah.
2: worse. So, I went back to outpatient and um you know, was sober for this is 2008 going into 2009. Um was sober but still like Knew, like, I was sober to please everybody else. I wasn't doing it for me. And uh, in 2009, in April, um, we got a call at, like, 5 in the morning, and um, my dad called and said my mom had died. She died. Uh, she had cardiomyopathy. My mom never went to the doctor, and she died at night. And I knew when he called, um, you know, when your parents are in Orlando and they call at 5 in the morning, mm-hmm. and my dad answered, and my wife answered, and she's like, no, no, no. And I looked at her, and I said, my mom died. Mm. And she's like, yeah. And my wife and my mom were best friends. Oh, wow. So I lost my mom, who I loved. Like, just, lo- like, loved my mom. Like, was, you know, like, as a senior in high school, would have given her the biggest kiss on the lips I could have in front of everyone. Wow. Just uh, loved her. And my mom was really, like, she. everybody says their mom's amazing. She was amazing. She could spread the gospel better than anyone. <laughs> she just had this polite way wow. of just introducing the gospel. But um, the minute she died, I was like, I'm drinking. Hmm. six months sober and I'm like I'm drinking just an excuse to drink an excuse to drink yeah and and you know and then on that Saturday I lost my job because they Made cuts, and then on oh, yeah, the, Monday I found yeah. out we were having twins. So now I'm like, I'm in the I'm in the Super Bowl of why oh you don't my, drink, and, oh and then people God. coming. Up the to Super me, Bowl of why you don't drink, TV. and <laughs> then people are coming up to me. and They're going, "Dude, if you need a drink, like I get it." Oh. I'm like, oh, <laughs> said, oh. no. so what oh. I went through was this phase of Gosh. Uh, from 2009, April to January like 28th of 2010, right? April 5th. That, air, you know, April 5th, well, really the 4th, um, 2009 to January 28th of 2010, I went through this period of, like, I didn't want, like, people to know. Because now I'm an alcoholic, right? So I can't just go to a bar because someone Mm -hmm. might see me. So I'd go buy mouthwash at the grocery store and keep it under my car, and I would sip on that, and it would, you know, there's a lot of alcohol in mouthwash, a lot. Mm -hmm. So I would drink that, you know, little bottles. Uh, and then I, wow. I was I was unemployed, but I was, you know, I was getting unemployment. Um, so I didn't have a job and we had daycare for our kids. So I'm driving around all day pretending like I'm looking for a job, but I'm just, you know, I'm uh, just drinking. And an issue I have is I'm, I'm very social. So like I would get drunk and call my buddies and try to argue them about the Browns and what they're going to do. And they're like, dude, you're hammered. It's four, you know, and so... Sorry. And you were
1: and you were drunk off mouthwash, just dr- drinking mouthwash, or combining?
2: Uh, I think I, I mean mouthwash. I think or... I combined a little, but no, I was. It's not drunk. It's like a. It you hallucinate from it. It's a weird, you know. Oh. Now some of this I don't. You know, like my wife will be like, "Don't you remember when we met them at a wedding?" And I'm like, "No, Jen. Before I got sober, I was never. Yeah, I mm-hmm. was drunk. Yeah, I was like, don't really? remember even anything. then." And I'm like, "No, and right? You know, I." <clears throat> so some of it's coming. Even that area is, what I did every day. It's it's. I don't remember all of it. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: Can I ask uh,
2: yeah. just out of curiosity, do you get do you have
0: hangovers?
2: Oh, horrible. That's so you one do. of the great things of drinking. You get rid oh yeah, that's the other thing. I had terrible hangovers. Okay. But like not a hangover of headache like so tired. Okay. But you know, yeah, that's why, you know, there's enough, to me the I had season tickets to the Browns. You mm-hmm. drink all night Saturday, you go to the Browns game, you have a Bloody Mary, you're back to where you were on. So that's the whole hair of the dog thing. Yeah, that's absolutely. why. <laughs> yeah. okay. It's for real. Okay. That's why people on vacation, you know. And start I in it. the morning, right? Yeah, right? yeah, why not? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know.
1: Take um, a nap and then start again. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: You know, alcohol is weird because the more you drink, the less you need to get there. You know, that's why, because your liver's uh, starting to fail you. So that's why, you know, at the uh, end, yeah, so.
4: um,
2: But anyway, so I, you know, I, uh, January 25th, of 2010, uh, I was at my dad's, I mean, and there was a lot of stuff that went on, you know, I could go into that whole year was a mess. Like I almost got a DUI. I stayed the night in prison, in, uh, like a, uh, recovery place for home. Were
3: you people. having any health issues?
2: Oh, I mean, not as much, but I think because I had, you know, like
3: Gone far enough, yeah, you kind I, of I, I think I, checked I, it out. But
2: I, I just now, I just am back to like where a normal, you know, like my blood pressure is great, my cholesterol is great, but my liver and all of its functions are back to a normal 47-year-old, you know. Really? I don't have a lot of other health problems because I don't drink mm-hmm. at all, you know. I mean, nothing, like I don't, you know, I don't do mouthwash, I do nothing. You know, my only downfall is I enjoy a cigar on my porch, and I'm not going to quit that till. I have, probably have cancer. Cause that's just what I do. You know, I mean, my doctor's like, you know, how many do, and, and I'm pretty reasonable about what I do, you know, but my whole thing is I always tell him like, I quit drinking. Don't make me quit anything else. <laughs> you know, sure. We have this battle. Uh, um, but anyway, in January, January 25th or 26th, I was standing at my dad's and I was leaving cause he was about to kick me out. My wife told me I couldn't come home and he goes, what's wrong with you? He's like, you have a family that loves you. You have four kids. A community that loves you, what's wrong? And I remember turning around to him and just saying, you know, and pardon my French here, but I'm like, you know, I don't give a shit. I don't care about my wife. I don't care about my kids. And I don't care about you. All I want to do is drink, and I can't stop. And that's all I want to do. And I don't care. And I think at that moment, he was like, this is a real issue. So my wife worked with some people that she knew in the medical industry, and they got me into Glen Bay. And I went into Glen Bay uh, January 28th. 2010. My sobriety date is January 29th. I didn't go into Glen Bay sober. But when I went into Glen Bay the wheels, you know, I was sitting there and I was like, you know, I'm what is that? 37 years old my best thinking this is where I've gotten. This is what my life has come to. And it was um I was pretty beaten up and um and then I think 3 days into Glen Bay when I I cried for 3 days straight, you know. Um, because I was scared I was going to lose my wife and my kids and you mm-hmm. can't have a phone you know I was very good at like I could talk my way back into my wife's mm-hmm. into her heart into mm-hmm. her life and I couldn't do that so now she had time to really think like this dude's a total loser you know <laughs> that's all the things that are going on in my head and mm-hmm. so three days into Glen Bay um, this is when my life changed uh, and um,
0: you're good because we have a whole box of tissues buddy <laughs> Um. amen <laughs> <laughs> hey <this> <coughs> and we do have all day by the way <laughs> so take your time I and you thought this was going to be fun
2: <laughs> uh, it's good um <laughs> i was uh It's weird, I've told this story like a thousand times and it, I think, I think God really wanted me to tell this story.
3: Mm. Amen. It's Amen. a, it, the, the beautiful thing about it is the tears you're crying, there's who knows how many people crying the exact same tears mm-hmm. that don't have anybody that know.
2: Mm-hmm. And these are not, you know, tears of sadness. Mm-hmm.
3: No, it's the whole story. It's yeah. the collection of everything together, you know? Yeah. It's what Jesus does. Yeah. It is that's the beauty of salvation.
2: Yep. So uh I was when you when you're in rehab, you go to a class and then um <coughs> excuse me. and Then you go out to this pavilion and you smoke cigarettes that's just what you do in rehab if you if you ever want to start smoking just go to rehab because it's just yeah i was in rehab good to know (laughs) it's a social yeah so so we were you know and you have other things like you know that you got to make your bed and you got to go to these you know you go to an open session then you go to like a group session then you have time to and i was really i i will say i was very i took it like college you know i was i was very focused on like i want to get sober but um I was in a pavilion and, you know, it's the normal conversation. Hey, why are you here? You know, and I I was talking to this guy and he said, you know, I'm, uh, goes, I'm addicted to crack. And, um, it's like, I was robbing liquor stores and I was living out of my car and, uh, my church paid for me to come to Glen Bay and, uh, Glen Bay is like 30 grand a month. So if you don't have health insurance, you pay in cash. And when your health insurance is up and doesn't cover it, you're Mm -hmm. gone. And he asked me, he goes, why are you, why are you here? And I said, um, I'm an alcoholic. And he goes, no drugs. And I'm like, you know, I dabbled around with marijuana, but it just wasn't my thing. I'm like, I really loved alcohol. And, um, he was like, really? And I'm like, yeah. And And I said, but you know, I was drinking mouthwash for the last year. And he looked at me, and, and I was never honest about my drinking, ever. Um, and I was honest that day. And he looked at me, and he goes, man, he goes, you're sick. Huh. Coming from a drug addict. Yeah, he huh? goes, man, you're, you're really sick. And I said, you know, I go, I, I think I might be the sickest guy here. Um, but I said, I don't think I have to live like that anymore. <laughs> and uh, hmm. I – Man. I I left I left the pavilion, and I I said, you know what? F it, take it. Hmm. I'm done. You want it this bad? You want my life? You can freaking have it, but I'm done. <laughs> he took it. You he can? took that burden.
1: Wow. Just like that, huh? Just like that's I wasn't. You know when I you ask, lighter. when you ask with all you've got, and you beg, that happens, because <laughs> that's what happened to yeah.
2: me. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't like in a suit. Yeah, in church, I was ang- I was pissed, man. I was so mad, but I wasn't mad at him. I was mad at me. But he took it and there was a lot of work that had to be done but there was something that like emo- immediately changed in me
3: and it's just because of that one moment of finally being honest yep. about it you're only wow. really as
2: sick as your secrets man and i had a bunch of them and i was really sick but he took it and i was like i felt it like wow. i felt him i felt like the elephant being lifted
3: wow and from that moment and that's on, just the, the elephant of needing the drink is guilt, guilt the, and the shipping, guilt
2: man. you know Wow, guilt is something that we, you know, I think we, you know, the guilt is something that we live with and we try to cover up, but the shame is what Mm -hmm. throws you off a bridge. Mm -hmm. You know, they're the same, but they're different. Mm -hmm. And I had, you know, um, yeah, but he, he, he took it and, and something happened. And I knew at that moment, I was like, oh my God, but I, there was a lot of work and I worked you know, when I was there, I was serious.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, my wife will even tell you when she came to see me, she's like, there was something different. Like you were, you looked physically different. Wow. And so, uh, Holy I, spirit. Huh? Yep. The, for sure. Yeah. And I came home and I was like, you know, I was born again at that moment. Mm. Um, That's awesome. so I just started, you know, I came home and my dad let me live with them. My wife didn't want me. We were going to marriage counseling and, uh, You know, my dad's like, you can live with me, but I'm not getting rid of my wine. And If you can't handle it, that's too bad.
4: Mm -hmm.
2: And he would go on business trips and be gone. And I never even once thought about it. I mean, I was AA, church, AA. And then I went to, uh, I went back to Grace in Bath. Um, We had a life group that was leaders, Chris and Krista Fryhoff. And they were really working with my wife. You know, And my wife was brought up in the Catholic church. So this is all still, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on with her too internally um Uh, what year was this now about well this is this would be like january february february of 2010 Mm. so i went to grace and i knew people knew you know i mean look i took my daughter to a grace father daughter dodgeball event hammered (laughs) and the guys in the church had to like pull me down in the basement like dude we're worried about you and i'm like let's fight you know what i mean (laughs) so um so I was really like, man, I'm going back into this place. And I'm like, somebody, I'm, you know, I remember walking in. I'd met my wife there because <clears throat> we're married, but, um, you know, she's about done. <clears throat> and uh, I walk into church and I'm like, one person says a word to me and I'm out. Like, and I'm just, I'm waiting. And mm-hmm. here comes Jeff Bogue, like beelining for me. <laughs> he comes up to me and he goes, Hayden, he goes, you're the luckiest guy here i'm like why is that he goes because you're broken uh-huh. he goes you're really broken and none of these people half of them will never be where you are and can never get there and you're truly that broken is... and i was like
3: wow yeah what do you say to that
2: what an amazing Thank way to, in- yeah. to welcome yeah. you back yeah you. yeah like not nah, i feel bad for you like don't right. feel sorry for yourself and uh and i remember that day we had gone through some counseling you know my wife and i sitting there and our life coat behind us, and we kind of held hands. And I think at that point I knew that, um, you know, we were going to get back together. We had a great Christian counselor who we went to emerge. you know. I mean, the, our first meeting, oh, he's yeah. like, why are you here? And my wife's said, like, because my husband's drinking. And he said, well, he's been sober for 45 days, so you guys can go.
4: <laughs> like, but,
2: and he goes, "There's a, there were a lot, you know. My wife was married before for nine months. There were, we were both bringing in a lot of, you know, just – the stuff you get from any
0: marriage you pick any marriage you both bring it yeah yeah I mean Mm. you
2: know my parents look I I have no idea what I'm doing as a dad and I'm just raising (laughs) a bunch of kids you know and and I just learned from a bunch of people that had no idea what they're doing so you know we're trying to look good for the world and hide everything and you know and trying our best Mm -hmm. you know to pretend like there's not a problem so you know you go through and then um you know the last so my wife and I have you know we've been through it and then you know uh I was leading we were leading a life group and i had a, a men's group where we were meeting out there were like 20 guys that would come to my basement we were talking about you know like being real you know and like getting honest and it was this great group it was tony Lavigny and a guy dj douglas who's a minister at uh um medina now and just guys would come in and we would just read scripture and just talk about like supporting each other like You know, the one thing about AA is it allows you to get intimate with other men, Mm. which is very hard to do. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, just becoming intimate for a man, period, is, you know, I think that's like what every woman desires from us, and we have a hard time doing that. um, A guy came up to me afterwards, and he's like, dude, you're so honest. Like, you are just so, I I just, like, I want to get to where you're at. And he left, and I was talking to Tony, and I'm like, you know, I'm like, I've been 100% honest about everything, but, you know, when I was drunk, I... I cheated on my wife one night and I'm like, I've never told her because in AA they were like, don't bring it up again because it might hurt her. Mm-hmm. And Tony goes, I think you should pray about it. And so he left. That's good direction. Pray about yeah. it. Yeah. And I did. Yeah. And, and God was like, and I was like, God was like, you need to tell her now. So I went to my wife and I was <laughs> like, listen, I got to talk to you. And I noticed from her reaction, like, I'm like, this is not how you should be reacting. Well, it turns out my wife was unfaithful to me during a time period where I was Mm. cheating on her with the bottle, right? Mm. And it was, you know, and my inception of it is like, you know, she had this, she needed, you know, she needed affection from a man and I couldn't give it to her. Now, my Mm -hmm. interpretation is, you know, she's on the Corvette and White Snake is playing and, you know, I'm a guy. So it's like this (laughs) dream that I've had that's not real, but... You know, um, Yeah. Um, and we went through, you know, like we went through some periods, but I got to tell you, like from that moment on of us kind of getting that out of the way, our marriage has been even better than it was. And And wow. I really was able to forgive her because like, you know, I learned through my addiction and alcoholism that like, you know, it was actually good for me in a way because I got to forgive her for something mm-hmm. that really hurt me. Mm-hmm. you know and i wasn't the same guy you know yeah. like i can't blame you for not loving me when i can't even love me right. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah yeah you know so um yeah and and
3: and so, she got a chance to be honest about hers and i knew you know, so it, shame is removed being removed from the relationship even yeah, it
2: was steps you know at first wow. like, well you know there's this and i knew who the guy was i i knew about it because there were some weird things that i noticed previously but the other thing was when you're an alcoholic you never want to get into a big argument because they might throw in the fact that you're an alcoholic so you dodge all of those uh. conversations so um yeah but i you know like there was some you know like it took her longer than just that day you know it was like well i had some inappropriate you know and, and she's like well you know we just kissed and then you know we and i'm like you're two married people like you don't just make out in a car like that's you know we're not in high school mm-hmm. um but it was you know but, yeah, Tony was there, and then I think, you know, that, but, yeah, we both got the chance to really forgive each other, but I think it, real, it made us realize, too, like, our marriage with God, at least us trying to make God the center of our marriage, has been so much greater than our marriage before that, you know, even when, you know, like... We've made a commitment to tithing. And honestly, I've never received anything tangible. We've actually made less money since we've decided to tithe. <laughs> but the things that were important, I've realized, are just things that it's forced me to give up that aren't important. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. like that's all it's done. And it's, you know what I mean? And so that's that's been a big thing for us. But I've never received that check in the mail. You know, I still have waiting on the promotion. You mm. know? Yeah, rewards are yeah. oftentimes
1: God gives you... Um, peace, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and, and 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 a better way to handle things. And mm-hmm. y- yeah, yeah, it's it's all yeah. about him covering you and filling you yeah. with the Holy Spirit, and that's a lot of the, what the reward is. Absolutely, I you agree. Know? If people are counting on tangible things, yeah. uh, that's the wrong reason, right? Yeah.
0: And so I had a, just a, as you're talking, a couple of questions. Do you find, and I and we can go wherever you want after this, but. I notice a lot of times it seems with when someone knows an alcoholic, you almost become the way people justify their own drinking. Like, well, I'm not that bad. Right. Well, I'm not doing that. Yeah. Do you get a lot of that from people, or have you noticed that as a way of kind of like uh, rationalizing somebody that probably does have a drinking problem, but because they're not that bad, they're like, oh, well, I'm not an alcoholic.
2: Yeah. Well, so the definition of an alcoholic is if your life is unmanageable, you're an alcoholic. So, you know, you have guys in, um, and you know this, that some guys drink once a month, but they might get a DUI. They might end up in a strip bar. They might do something that they could be alcoholics. Then you have the alcoholic like me who drink every day. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I, um, you know, and then you have guys that are, and women that are totally functional. You know, some people can have six beers, eight, 12 beers a night, and they, get up and they go to work every day and they're fine. And then their doctor comes to them and says, Hey, you got to quit drinking. And it's like, you know, it's like putting a pillowcase over your head and closing up the air. They don't mm. know what they're going to do. So um, I don't get a lot of people who justify that from, to me. Um, I get a lot of people who are like, I think my uncle has a problem. Can you talk to him? Mm. Oh, wow. And I think I, they're always like, you just seem to do better with the alcoholic. And I'm like, well, because I'm an alcoholic, mm. like you can't lie to me. You know, like, I'm going to tell you my story.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: We're going to get into a safe place. And then I'm going to be like, come on, dude. You know, and then, like, you know, my.
3: Does that it, happen a lot?
2: It happens a lot. Wow. A lot. Yeah. I mean, I left, you know, I left in a van, you know, I mean, and was gone for 28 days and then came home and everyone knew I was in rehab. And I, like, was, like, the most, you know, I was still approachable because my neighbors were all, you know, all awesome. But to where now I, yeah, I get calls and, you know. Yeah. I mean, I look, it happened so much. I was at church one day and uh, a guy came up to me in Medina and he goes, Hey, my name's so-and-so. And And he goes, Tony said, you, you're like, you're an alcoholic and you work with drunks. And I go, yeah, that's me. Yeah. You know, he goes, yeah, I need to talk to you. You know? I mean, so that, you know, and I have no problem with that. Wow.
0: You're like the alcoholic whisperer.
2: (laughs) Well, I think (laughs) I, I, you know, I have a, I have a, look, I have a really awesome sponsor who's a believer. Uh, who goes to Grace in Norton? Uh, he keeps me in check. One thing about alcoholism is when you start to work with a sponsor, you don't like. If I have a problem with my wife, we we eliminate her. It's always about you. How are you reacting? How are you dealing with it? What mm-hmm. are you doing? So, um, I would say I'm I'm really not the alcoholic whisperer. I think you know. I think AA has done a lot of good, celebrate recovery, and then just surrounding myself with people who can hold me accountable. And that's not just an AA. That's believers. That's, you know, um, and I have a lot of friends that are, you know, I mean, I was the alcoholic out of my friends. Mm. I, I wasn't in a group of a bunch of guys that ran hard and drank hard. Mm. Um, But, yeah, I think, you know, it's um. so. Yeah, that's that's kind of my story. Um,
3: what are you uh, what are you busy doing now? Are you are, is this an active ministry or is it just something that the Holy Spirit puts you in? You sit down, somebody approaches, yeah, I need, I need to talk to you, or somebody, and he knows somebody, and they connect, and so it's kind of an unofficial thing. It's just how the Holy Spirit uses you in the community.
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't have a business card yet, I'm <laughs> going to get one now that we read right, it. Right? It's going to become active, and I'm going to receive some of that monetary compensation <laughs> I'm kidding, for tithing. No, <laughs> come I'm on. No, i uh, no, uh, You will uh, be rewarded for this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, it's. I think it's active for people that know me. Um, okay. You know, I I mean, I'm in sales, right? I work for a company out of Pittsburgh, so I'm in, in IT consulting, so I'm in sales. Um, you I'm know. not surprised you're in sales. You yeah. Know, I, I would, He's buy, a very any, I would buy
1: anything. I know, right? <laughs>
2: yeah. Well, yeah, it's that world is different because you're dealing with, you know, I deal with guys – I try to make relationships with guys who don't know how to have relationships. Mm. You know, do you
1: it's a, use it as a ministry and yeah, opportunity? Yeah. You know, like I have awesome. a say.
2: like, so one of my sayings is if I take clients out and, um, you know, cause they want to drink and mm-hmm. I've had an expense account and we go yeah. out and, you know, the server will come over and go, Hey, do you want something to drink? And I'm like, oh, I'm you know, I, I, I I'm a club soda guy, like club soda with a lemon, mm-hmm. um, And the guys will be like, oh, you don't drink? And I'm like, I'm allergic, man. I'll break out into handcuffs. And they all laugh and they're like, oh, okay. And then eventually someone will come up and say, hey, so what about, like, what's going on here? And we'll start to talk and they're like, you know, I have a brother that, like. Oh, Oh, wow. So that's a way that I, you know. And then so for me, yeah, it's, I will say the the ability for me to bring God into a conversation is much easier because Uh, no one can say that didn't work for you. That's not working for you. Mm. Oh, yeah. You know, because it's all about, you know. That's I'm, the only thing that worked, right? Yeah, it's it is the only thing that yeah. worked. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, I think from that point there's a ministry there. Um and uh you know, I used to do more of the like speaking at AA engagements, but because I have so many kids, AA is like once a week. Where you know, when I, if I so if someone says, "Hey, I want you to work with me. Will you work with me?" I'm like, "Yeah." Like you got to go to 90 meetings in 90 days. And they're like, I'm not going to do that. And I'm like, then I'm not going to work with you. Mm. Did you yeah. do that? I 90 went to, and 90? I did 360. I probably oh, did 400. Wow. And, but remember, I didn't have a job. I was trying to get my wife back. I didn't have, you know, I wasn't yeah. being called to hang out. Yeah. So yeah, I did, you know, I was at, I needed to go every day. Yeah. Um. Now I, I you know, I mean, I coach my kids in every sport. So, you know, mm-hmm. this has actually been, I'll tell you, the thing that's great about AA is it allows me to get out of myself. And I've noticed like, I don't, I told my wife this the other day, I said, you know, this is the first time in 10 years that I've felt like, you know, it'd be nice to have a beer going through this. Now, I knew right away what I had to do, right? I have tools, right? Mm -hmm. I got on my knees, I prayed, I called my sponsor. He has a business that I could go to and talk to him. And I realized that thought is fleeting because I've been doing this long enough. But I also realized that, like, you know, when you decide to drink, that's not when your relapse starts. It starts way, you know, in any decision you make, it's not. Yeah, it's previous. Yeah, something's been building. It's the toilet seat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you don't want to hit that toilet no, no, right? so um you know but so the meetings helped me really kind of get out of myself and hear stories and it's you know it's always good to hear a guy come in the rooms who's just getting sober because you can remember what it's like you know I was also so physically addicted that there's a fear that I don't ever want to go back to it you know when you're mm-hmm. waking up and you can't mm-hmm. like when you're shaking you're you know when you've got a Swig vodka in the morning and then throw it up just so you're not shaking that some you shouldn't you know I had a girl do you know the Nothans mm-hmm. Stephanie Nothan she goes to Medina we were sitting around at a um, At a uh, break During service you know like you sing and then you listen to one sermon Then you go back and you go into the green room and we were talking and we were having this discussion I'm like, you know at the time. I didn't think there was I was doing anything wrong and Stephanie looked at me and She goes in. Well, why were you hiding it? And I was like wow I didn't know I was yeah, gonna yeah, yeah. take Why was I hiding it? Yeah. Um, so yeah. So no. I mean, it, there's a ministry there, but I've I've never gone out and like you know I've I've always <laughs> thought about that. I think uh, you know like is there a place for me to go and tell my story to churches and people who are you know and I think I I do believe there is. Um, I've just it's always sort of been someone calling me or helping me, and I think you know I, I've got to really pray about that because I think that's kind of good for me too because there's an anonymity in our process so i can't talk about it with other people yeah and i think that's
0: that's a very difficult word to say it is anonymity
2: Anonymity. (laughs) yeah anonymity (laughs) Um, so i think that you know but yeah i think
3: so that i got a question yeah um then i want to ask another one there's a you're (laughs) you're bringing up a really good topic uh i think a problem maybe it's just with men, I don't know, but that transparency, honesty, intimacy seems to limit many people from, uh, if even they wanted to be honest, they don't have the tool, they've never been in a situation, they don't have friends that know how to foster that kind of, they don't have a church that knows how to foster that because sometimes the church doesn't know how to foster that. What, what do you say to a person, whether they're alcoholic or anything struggling, but don't know how to just don't have access to that kind of thing? What do you do?
4: Mm.
2: Yeah. I mean, so I, so I was fortunate that I was, um, I was the feelings part for me were never really difficult. Right. I always had a dad that said he loved me. I always had a mom that said she loved me. Like love was a pretty, you know. I didn't have this dad where I never saw him apologize. Right. So um, I think for me, um, I just that's not, you know. I didn't have that with my family. So there was always this. I think there was some level of intimacy that I had with my dad, and then kind of as my, a practice yeah, already. Just, I think my dad was. You know. I think look. I think some people just are born with. Being able to be more intimate or, you know, Mm -hmm. it's not um,
3: like this friend that you said or this person that came up to you and said, I I like how honest you are. I'm trying to I want to be there. What are things that a person can do to practice honesty?
2: Well, I think the first thing is, I think what you just said, I think you got to get around a group of men that are willing to be intimate and you feel like it's okay. You know, I think as a man, we think like, right, I'm having I'm going to be intimate with my wife. I'm going to have sex with her. Well, that's not the intimacy. It's Right, 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 right. That's it's good share, clarification. It's, yeah, it's sharing your, you know, like, you know, like, it's okay to say, look, I'm I'm scared. I'm fearful of this. I need you to pray. You know, it's, it's really hard to ask someone to really pray for you when it's something that you're struggling with a fear. You know, mm-hmm. like, I don't know if I'm being a really good husband. You know, I'm fearful that I might not be doing a good job with my kids. I'm scared. You know, I'm defining myself by my job. Those are hard things, you know. Um, you know, because as men, we just don't want to. We don't want to portray that. And I don't even think it's so much to other men. I just think it's that you know we don't want to have weak boys.
3: Yeah. You know. Yeah. I don't yeah. want. You know. So one of the fears is just appearing weak.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Appearing weak. Right.
3: Yeah. Uh-huh. When. Yeah. When. You, right. But when you find out that weakness isn't the problem. Right. It's just one of the bigger symptoms of right. being human being. Right. And you actually find strength in opening up,
2: right? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, one of the biggest forms of being weak is not being able to be honest about what yes. you're weak about. Yeah, exactly. You know, right? So yeah, the
3: so, real weakness is yeah. not the is is the lack of honesty, yeah. right? Or the fear of being yep. honest. That's the real weakness.
2: Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So and I I have that struggle, but yeah. So I I just I think go ahead. Pride, it's pride. Yeah, it is. You're right. You yeah. know,
1: so much pride and not be not willing to humble yourself and to. Just admit you're as broken as everyone else. Right.
0: Because that is the misunderstanding, the mis whatever. It's the complete, if I may say, BS of it all, is that somebody would see an alcoholic walk into a room and say that's the broken person when really that's just a really good picture of exactly the way you look in the mirror. Yeah. Like that's all of us. Yeah, whenever you have an issue. That's all of us. Like
2: I have four kids and I have this the the one and I you know, I look I try to love my kids all the same, but it changes every day, right? Because they're, you know, like they're some of them can be challenging. And, so, and I can say one thing to my kids and when we walk away and I ask them what we talked about, it's their perception of what I said is totally different. Mm-hmm. But my son Brady and I will butt heads and some of the things he does bother me because he is exactly like me,
4: mm-hmm.
2: identical. Like everyone that meets him, they're like, that's you, <laughs> that's you, you know? And so I think sometimes when we see that, image and the things that bother us Mm. it upsets us. And I think as men, and I've just learned this, but like my dad never sat me down and said, you know, son, listen, like make good eye contact with your wife and really listen to her and don't solve her problems.
4: Mm -hmm.
2: I don't you know because here's and this is me being brutally honest but like I don't care about Patty at work <laughs> I don't I don't care that you Tim and is, I just I had this care. conversation Look, I don't care that Patty is having problems with her husband I will pray for her but I just don't care.
1: <laughs> I don't I don't care but I'll pray Here's the other thing
2: and this and you're going to edit this right <laughs> Yeah, we th- can. there's some editing well, I that mean, goes on. You don't yeah. have to, but I know your church crowd's gonna listen. To this. But my <laughs> wife and I had. To
3: I want this. anybody to listen yeah. to this, <laughs> <just> Hayden. <laughs> honestly, it's not, it's not, I, yeah. church, fine, church. It's what Jesus said. Right. I didn't come for the for right. the healthy. I okay. came for the yeah. sick. Yeah, yeah. Right. the people that are sick need to hear your right. story, not yeah. people yeah. that are healthy.
2: Yeah, but I, you know, my wife and I've had this because you know my thing is like, and I'm sure every couple goes through this where you know, like the woman that I married sexually is not the woman that I'm with today. You know, I always tell people, if you don't like change, don't get married and have kids because people change,
3: (laughs) you know. Physically, yeah, Yeah, they do.
2: I want the same sexual person that I married to also be the same woman that is raising my kids now and that I'm with now, right? Because... Um, The truth is my insecurity lies more in the fact that if she's willing to sleep with me or not and Mm -hmm. have sex with me. Right. Because, you know, if I were ever to turn my wife down, it would be devastating. But there are times when she's just tired and it has nothing to do with me. But I'm also wired very differently. And my wife and I had to have this real conversation that like, you know, and I'm like, look, I married you pardon my friends, but because you have a vagina. Like, if, <laughs> right. Here's the thing. If we would have been out on our first date. I'll probably edit that. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean, right. But if you didn't maybe have, Right. But if we would have been sitting at our. Is dinner. your wife okay with that kind of? Yeah. Oh, she well, told totally well, no, But, but, I wasn't, but here's the thing.
3: No, no, what I'm <laughs> saying is, is if, I, if I leave that in there, is she okay with yeah. that?
2: Yeah, okay, cool. We'll find out, but I think so. She's not yeah, the worst she's thing I've, cool She's like still that. with me. She's got to be cool with everything. But what <laughs> I was saying was, I'm like, if we would have been at our dinner for the second date, and you would have been like, look, I was born with this disease. I was born without a vagina. I would have left, right? But everything that era- that, that <laughs> encompasses that, I've grown to love. But, like, when, you know, and, and, we, and we're we the same as every couple. We're not, you know, it's not like I'm, I, you know. Like no, just, you just you just have the bluntness to right. say what's right. honest but, truth. But I'm like, but when my insecurity sometimes comes from that point that I know because for her, it's just different, right? For me. So I think my point is like, but the fact that I was able to say that to her in a way where I, I, I'm, I'm attracted to you. Would you rather me, would it, would it hurt you more if you were like, do you want to have sex? And I'm like, I just don't see you like that anymore. Right. I'm sorry. I love you. And I want to be your friend and I want to be best friends, but I don't, No,
3: because you can't separate the two. No,
2: I cannot. And she would be devastated. So my point is like, that was a moment where like, and I was nervous about not, I didn't think she would get mad, but I didn't want to seem weak to her either. Like, you know, but like I have these insecurities, like this, a rejection from you can create a huge insecurity with what's wrong with me. And her rejecting me has nothing to do with me. It's how Mm -hmm. she's tired and how she's feeling. Mm -hmm. But I'm a man and I take judge it personally. Absolutely when I can't, you know. But on the other side, I'll have a conversation with her and listen to her, but never look at her. And that's affecting Or how watch she Fox
0: feels. News or watch The Office or Seinfeld. Yeah. I don't
2: I'm sorry. Yeah. Are we right. getting into love language? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so it is right. And I'm a very love yeah, like I'm a touchy, I like yeah. hugs. And yeah. you know, my wife loves eye contact. Hmm. And I'm horrible at it. So I, my point is like opening up when I'm intimate and I share my fears with her, it allows her to share her fears with me. And then we can get to a point where we're actually like really communicating about like, Mm -hmm. this is some real stuff. Like let's cut out all the, you know, what's really bothering you. And, you know, normally that starts off with like a fight about something that's stupid. Mm -hmm. Right. And then we break it down and we have a day of like praying about it. And then we talk and it's like, well, this is why I did this. Mm -hmm. And then what happens is, I'm not even offended. You're not coming at me like there's something going on with you and there's something going on with me, mm-hmm. right? Because what I've done is I always give people titles, right? Like now you're my wife. You're not gen high to a person who's a mom, who's a worker, who's a – you're my wife. And with You're My Wife, I have these expectations of what my wife should be that I don't even know what they are. I just think I know what they are because <laughs> I've watched a show or – you know what I mean? So Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. yeah so I've got to get yeah. through all that. So I, br- I don't bring that up to um, – that might not have been a great example of what i was saying but i think just the intimacy no, here it, it's
3: like, you know i think that's something that makes sense to a lot of people you know right. relationship is relationship yeah. no matter what and mm-hmm. intimacy is a human need i think god made absolutely because if we don't want a relationship then we wouldn't want him right right and I think the, the I'm going to use another big word, so apo- I'm apologizing okay. beforehand. Anthropomorphic.
0: Uh, oh, yeah, you're going to
1: have to explain
3: Anthro that one. is human. It's not even right. a real word. Anything to do with human <laughs> beings. There's, <laughs> okay. there's, he gives the human body and the male and the female things, hands, all these things are kind of like shadows of the heavenly relationship between God and man. And, if he didn't want any of that, he wouldn't have made it that way. Right? right. Yeah. He he wouldn't have. He, he would have done what was necessary to promote relationship with him. And this is the the vehicle that he chose. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he's offended by sex. I don't think he's offended well, by. It, I don't think yeah. he's offended by any of yeah. that
2: at I've, all. I just meant the term. I don't. So I don't want to. I'm not. I'm less. I don't think I can actually. I don't think I could offend God. I I use the uh, term for a the church folk. Well, I'm not. Look, they. It, right. I, I'm actually not afraid of offending anyone. I just didn't right. want to come off like, you know, I'm this guy who demands this from my wife. That the point of my story was. No, I, no, you know, no, no. I, I think you know. I think being, you know.
3: I think you're expressing it perfectly. Yeah. Honestly. I, yeah,
2: okay. Yeah. It, isn't just, it yeah. kind of about
1: submitting to yes, their needs? Exactly. So, right. like, I think we're all. Probably pretty self-centered, and we're usually looking out for ourselves. <laughs> I
2: usually, feel like you're staring right at me. I'm, just no, kidding. No, I I I'm Finally, good. got a good look at <laughs> you. <laughs> I wasn't making good eye contact. <laughs> but um,
1: but I know that I'm not that great at it. But when I when I do try to do that for my wife and and to submit and to um give her what she needs, her love language, it's great. Right, like those are some of your happiest moments. Right. whether sexual or yeah, yeah. or whatever yeah. it is just yeah. looking her in yeah. the eye and and yeah. there's a connection there that that's not um doesn't happen all the time. Yeah. I mean I wish I, it's supposed to. Right. But well, we're, human, we're human, right? We're human. Yeah, so yeah. isn't
2: that what the Bible teaches us like we're supposed to love the woman the way that That's God it. that's the what church? Paul said. Right. right. Paul in Ephesians. Yeah. yeah, and and isn't like I've, you know, I learned that a wife being submissive isn't you cowering down to my every need it's you allowing me and giving me the the okay to be the spiritual leader of our family Mm
4: -hmm. and i think for the
3: the kind of capacity it takes a woman to do that i don't think people recognize
2: it's Mm. it's so hard
3: it is not an easy decision to be submissive no I think the man has to be submissive to Jesus. Right. And that's just, I mean, they both do.
2: But think about the two it, things. It yeah. takes
3: great capacity for both to submit to each other in Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's
2: so hard because it's hard. the things he asks us to do are the two hardest things for us to do. Yeah. It's, hard for you, it's hard for a woman to allow me to lead Yeah, because even with our kids, you have a connection that I don't have. And yep. In a lot of ways, there's this control thing, right? And then for a man, he wants us to be intimate and treat our wives away where there's nothing in return, right? Yes,
3: just like Jesus. Yeah,
2: like I do the laundry every night, but there's an expectation that I get for doing the laundry every night. <laughs> that is not what Jesus. That is not how exactly. Jesus, That's what's exactly. Tith- the tithing in his yeah. marriage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <wants> a reward. <laughs> That's the tith- I gotta tell my wife that. That's. My- but you're right. Like you, like you hit. It, you said it perfect. Like this is, me just giving you what you need and being okay with it yeah yeah the expect you know
3: but isn't that jesus right
2: well expectations are just resentments waiting to happen right right so eliminating that and just saying this is how jesus wants me to live and i'm going to do it to glorify jesus and not be this self-centered so that's the hardest thing you know he paul just throws that out there and we're like oh okay well i'm the spiritual leader and you need you know Mm. where's my meal and you know, that's not it, when you break it down. That's not it. It's work no. on both ends, and if, yes. if both of those things are working together, your wife is like, "Oh, for sure, he's the leader of our home. Yes, he he treats me like how. Look at how he's leading me in just the way we communicate and loving and loving. Her yeah. And...
3: So you you define leadership not so much as domineering as it is um, facilitating her growth, serving to serving her making sure yeah. she can function on the yeah. Yeah. highest level of who she
2: is i think the greatest leaders are the greatest servers yeah servant leadership to me is the you know like I like jesus
3: yeah. yeah and that that is yeah. that's yeah perfectly jesus yeah.
1: Hey, everybody, I just wanted to thank you for listening to part one of Hayden's story. Um, it was a little long to make it one episode, so we split it into two. So it's kind of an abrupt end and an abrupt beginning. Um, but bear with us and enjoy. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff coming up. So thanks for listening.